Our theme for this year is Philippians, found in Philippians chapter 4. I'm not even going to read it, but the theme is full, and I'll just quote from a part of it. Paul said, I've learned both to be full and to be hungry. Say hungry, would you do that? And because he's learned this, he then goes on to say he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. So our theme this year is full. And uh, while our theme is full, I want you to be aware that we get full by listening to the instructions given to us by our Heavenly Father as to how we're to live our lives. That's how you get full. You don't get full by going off on a tangent and listening to a bunch of people that can't help you. I wish I could have somebody that knew what life was about. Speak up. How many of you ever gotten in a jam because you listened to people you should have said, mind your own business to? But when you listen to God, it always turns out right. Our Heavenly Father knows best. So because of that, we've been in a series recently from that very subject based on Matthew 7, 9 through 11, where Jesus is, is talking in the Sermon on the Mountain. He said, that if you, as, that our parents ask, your children approach you and ask for food, you don't give them a stone and so forth. He said, if that's the case with you, how much more will your heavenly father, who is perfect, give good gifts to his children? You're flawed, is what Jesus is saying. And we know that. There's not a person here that doesn't. And we make mistakes. But we still know how, when our kids are hungry, to take care of our kids. When you get hungry... You listening? There is a heavenly father that knows how to take care of you. Better than an earthly father ever could. So before Easter, I started a new series. And it's entitled The Blessing of Being Empty. Just a a series within a series, as it were. And uh, I want to speak this morning from this subject. Your season is for a reason. Would you turn to somebody and say, your season is for a reason. Father, would you speak to us right now and let your word come into our hearts and lives with power and authority. Because Lord, everything you ever created, you created with a word. You didn't buy it. You didn't pay for it. You created it by speaking it into existence. Help us to take that creative word today. And release it into our own lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. We don't like it, but I've got to teach it anyway. And I'm not going to make you stand on your feet this morning. But you will later in life if you will hear what I'm going to to talk to you about. As I said, we don't get all excited. Simply because it's not our favorite thing to talk about. But our Heavenly Father knows that on occasion we need to be empty. Being empty, I would suggest, doesn't mean being unhappy. Those are not synonyms. God can give you so much joy that you don't even miss what's not there. Anybody in the room ever been there? Well, there's some stuff that's missing you would like to have had there, but you had so much joy you didn't even hardly notice its absence. Paul is like that and he speaks of being full, but in the same verse he also speaks of being hungry or empty. And it may seem like an oversimplification, but the way to become full is to make more room for whatever it is that you need. In other words, first become empty. Amen. 
That's because, as we all know, you can actually fill yourself up with the wrong things. Things that don't provide the nutrition you need. And what happens is you actually are no longer hungry after you've filled yourself up with this stuff. Amen. You ever have kids that it, you gave them a snack too soon to supper and it spoiled their appetite? You ever do that yourself? We have any cooks in this place? I know we do. We've got some marvelous cooks. And, and you, you cook something and you're sampling and by the time it gets done, you don't even want to eat it anymore. Come on, help me out. Amen. My wife tells me that all the time. I'm full. I, I, I ate while I was cooking. Amen. Trying it out. The one thing I've learned is never go to a grocery store when you're hungry. You will see so much stuff on the shelf that you just have to have at that moment that you don't really need. And you know what I mean? You fill yourself up on stuff that's not really helping you and your body still needs nourishment. Paul is talking about being hungry by creating a state of emptiness within his own heart. He hasn't filled himself up with anything that took away from his appetite for what he knew he really needed to have. Amen. And this verse suggested that he actually welcomed times of emptiness to become hungry. We, we don't do that. Most of us, <laughs> we make sure we don't get hungry. Amen. Not a person in this building that enjoys being hungry. Come on. In fact, you can look at most of us and pretty much tell that is the case, me included. And I like t-shirts because they succinctly and, and, and very, in only a very brief way say something that gets right to the point. Here's some t-shirts that, about food. Dear food, either stop being so delicious or stop making me fat. Amen. Here's another. If you have to ask if I'm hungry, you don't know me at all. Amen. Sound like your kids, huh? I told my wife that just the other day. I, I don't know what's going on with me right now. I am hungry 24-7. I told her, she said, what do you want me to cook when I talked to her from Africa? And I was coming in. That was Friday night. I talked to her and I was coming in yesterday. She said, what do you want me to cook? I don't want you to cook anything. I'm trying to get lean and mean again. And I don't know what's going on, but I want to devour everything you put in front of me. She said, okay, I got home yesterday. She had rice and pinto beans and, and hamburgers. I, I said, what are you trying to do to me? And she said, I feel the same way. I'm hungry constantly. We're just going through a season of hunger. I hope that has a spiritual connotation. <laughs> Amen. Here's another t-shirt. My hobbies include eating and thinking about the next time I will be eating. I love this one. Did you eat yet? Has to be the world's most romantic question. <laughs> and another one. Talents. Eating. <laughs> For those of you that love coffee. Depresso. Not espresso. Depresso. That's the feeling you get when you've run out of coffee. Amen. <laughs> Here's one. I want to start juicing, but I don't know how to juice tacos yet. Here's one a lady wears, ways to my heart, buy me food, make me food, be food. Amen. Here's a guy. Don't try to tell me that hunger is an emotion 
because I feel it all the way down in my soul. (laughs) And here's a girl. I'm just a girl standing in front of a salad wishing it were a donut. It's not just girls that do that. I want to turn to a passage of scripture that talks about somebody being hungry. In Judges chapter 6, verse 11, Now the angel of the Lord came and said unto the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, Ophrah, which belonged to Joas the Abizarite, which his son Gideon, while his son Gideon thrust wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. Notice where he's at. He's in the wine press threshing wheat. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, I love this, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Life unfolds in seasons. The wisest man who ever lived said in Ecclesiastes 3, Beginning in verse 1, to everything, say everything, there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Don't you be upset because what you're doing hasn't worked yet. There is a time for every purpose. That was a word for somebody right there. There is a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Some people want to dance all the time. That's just not the way life is geared to be. There's a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence. You hear that, man? When the little lady says that's enough, there's a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. When we talk about life consisting of seasons, we mean seasons that are good, as this passage tells us, as well as seasons that are bad. That's the part we don't like. You talk about good seasons, bring it on. Hallelujah. Praise God. You can shout over that. But when the scripture tells us that seasons also come that are bad, we rebuke that in Jesus' name. We want to never go to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 again. Amen. Cut that out of our Bible. I don't know how that even got in there. He must have been backslid when he was writing that. We don't want to hear it. Seasons are actually cyclic. These seasons are a permanent fixture of life in this broken world. God told Noah in Genesis 8.22, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. He didn't say that harvest and seed time, heat and cold, summer and winter, night and day. He said the reverse of that. That the season that you don't like comes first before the season you want to have come. 
in Genesis, he said, the day, or the, 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 the night and the day, the evening and the day, that were considered the first day. Amen. It started with night, and that is why to this day, the evening and the morning were the first day. To this very day, the Jewish calendar begins at 6 o'clock in the evening. It doesn't start when the sun comes up. It starts when the sun is going down. I wish I could hear somebody say amen. The writer of this passage that we're using as our theme for this year, Paul, was himself experiencing seasons of fullness in some areas of his life while, and this is what mystifies me, at the same time, in other areas, he's walking through seasons of emptiness. Amen. He's full in some areas, but in other areas, clearly, there's some problems going on. Did you know that he wrote this passage, Philippians 4? And talked about being full from the bottom of a Roman jail. So things are not going real well in many ways. But in terms of his experience with relationship with God. It was second to no one's. And Paul could say even in the middle of the squalor of a Roman jail. Imprisoned by the Romans. That I am full. Amen. Oh bless his name. And that is because seasons occur in everything. And I'm not just talking about the weather either. They occur in life and in business. You have seasons in a relationship. You know I'm telling you the truth. There are times you're so in love, you just can't stand to be out of one another's company. And there's other times you get on the computer and Google for a Holy Spirit field hit man. You know what I mean? At least you feel like it. But you survive that season. And things get better again. Seasons occur in your finances, in your emotions, in your health. Every single sport you, you, you know, baseball, basketball, football, they all have seasons that determine when professional athletes are out there earning their money. And within that season, individual players go through their own season that can affect their performance. In baseball, a player can be in a slump or he can be on a hitting streak. I'm old enough that I remember Roger Maris when he broke Babe Ruth's home run record and then Aaron, Hank, uh, Hank Aaron came along and shattered that record. Anybody remember those days? I mean, those are days that are burned into the history of American sports. Amen. You have your ups and your downs. You hear about them one year and the next year they're not doing so well. They're in a slump. It was said of Babe Ruth, he was the home run king until somebody began to look at his stats and they figured out he also struck out more than anybody else. Ups and downs. Seasons occur in life. Where you're sharp and when you function well. And at other times you might struggle to accomplish tasks that are usually easy for you. There are other times when it seems like the wind is at your back. And everything is smooth sailing. And then suddenly you wake up and all you know what has broken loose. 
Seems the slightest task is insurmountable. Sometimes you feel great. Now I'm going to talk to you right now. Other times you don't even want to get out of bed. You'd rather pull the covers over your head and, you know, and peek out of the covers tomorrow. If it's any better, then you'll get up. You have productive seasons, growth seasons. But you have seasons of decline and there are seasons when there are more obstacles than opportunities. And these are followed by seasons where you can't seem to find enough time to get to all of your opportunities. There are seasons of stretching. Anybody in this building ever been stretched? Oh, come on, help me out right now. You ever get a bad report and walk away from a doctor and you're stretching everything inside of you to try to wrap your mind around what just happened? Have you ever had a situation in a family and you're stretched on the job? You're stretched. Amen. The prophet stretched himself upon the child and that is when the miracle occurred. Sometimes we don't see any of what they were singing about a while ago because we don't get stretched enough in life and we run from stretching. Did it ever occur that if you have a miracle, that meant you had a need where nothing else but God could help you? Oh, come on now. You don't need a miracle if everything's going good. There are seasons in life when you're on top and leading everyone else. And there are seasons when you're having to follow those you used to lead. Incredible seasons of blessing. Where everything you do prospers. And then there are those seasons when it seems like you can't buy a blessing no matter how much you pray. And how many people you get to lay hands on you and join with you in, in agreement. If you don't understand seasons, here is the problem. You will become impatient and miss out on the season that is getting ready to come. If you don't understand that there, if you're on a down cycle right now, that there's getting ready to be an up cycle that's going to follow this, you will be impatient and you will allow your faith to be injured. And you will not be able to enjoy what's about to come. In nature, we've actually come to better understand the reason behind earthly seasons. And I'm going to bore you for a minute. Because man's designation of time, that is of hours, days, weeks, months, and years, is the foundation of God's system of time. That is, God actually created that. Man's designation of time wasn't created by man. In Genesis 1, we're told that God created the heavens and the earth. And in six creative days, he created everything we see. And then on the seventh day, he rested. And there you have the foundational premise for everything that we call time. God set an organized schedule in place where he spoke the world into existence. The world didn't just evolve. God determined the time it takes for the earth to make one complete revolution. Because as we all know, we are on a planet that is constantly turning and spinning. Amen. And God is the one that set that in place and determined that it would take 24 hours for the earth to make one complete revolution. He also determined how many days, as I've already said, would be in a week and determined that it would take 365 and one quarter days for the earth to make a complete revolution around the sun. 
Now watch it. The earth leans on an axis. It's not straight up. It is tilted. 23 and one half degrees. Fall, winter, spring, and summer are all determined by the earth rotating on its axis because as it goes around the sun, the part of the planet that you live on, which in our case is Houston, there's a certain time in the year when as it rotates around the sun, because of that axis, it's tilted toward the sun. But the same place that is tilted toward the sun, six months later is tilted away from the sun. Oh, hear what I'm saying right now. When it's tilted toward the sun, you have summer. When it's tilted away from the sun, you have ice and snow and you have winter. Hello, somebody. Amen. And every single one of these seasons are characterized by changes in temperature and in other natural occurrences. And here's what you must understand. That what occurs in one season is actually setting things up for the next season. Because while it's tilted and you're in the middle of winter, you're actually making a cycle that is moving you towards spring. Hello. And where all that ice and snow used to be, there's something going to spring out of the ground and life is going to flourish. I've got a word for somebody today. You're walking through a winter season right now. But God wants you to know that spring is getting ready to come and you're about to have your breakout. You're locked into ice right now and it's cold and it's uncomfortable. But if you just hang on, amen, you're coming into springtime and then following spring, there's going to be a summer and then there's going to be a harvest season and the cycle goes on endlessly no matter how devastating or how intense or perhaps even how mild the season may be, turn to your neighbor and say, it doesn't remain the same. Would you do that? Look at somebody and say, you're coming out of it. Would you do it? Something's getting ready to change. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. You're getting ready to move from from a place where it seems like God has forgotten you to a place where everything you touch is going to be blessed by the hand of the mighty God you serve. That is for somebody in this house. Because you even go through seasons in your relationship with God. Just like there are seasons in nature, there are seasons in our relationship with God. Churches go through seasons. Ministries go through seasons. There, I've gone through seasons in my life where it seemed like God was so there, that uh, close to me and, and so near. And, 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 and all I, I did was say Jesus and it's like he was right there. Say, yeah. And other times I cry out, Lord, where are you? I feel like Christ on the cross. Have you forsaken me? Have you forgotten about me? I want you to know that just because you feel like he's not there doesn't mean he is not. I'm preaching. Because just like in the summer season, the reason it gets warmer is the earth is tilted toward the sun. When you tilt toward God, things start warming up in your life again. One reason we are walking through winter is because we've allowed 
ourselves to tilt away from God. We got all wrapped up in the minutiae of the details and everything that was going on. And you can't let circumstances tilt you away from God. You've got to stay tilted toward God. Amen. You draw near to him, he will draw near to you. Your season is not determined. It's, it, your season is determined by, by whether or not you are leaning toward God or away from him. And seasons, say it with me, are for a reason. Would you do it? I moved to Gideon and then I'm going to close. Gideon could not understand the season he was in. And because he could not, he questioned God. And when you don't understand your season, you begin to question God. When God gives you a word, I want you to listen because he sent that angel to give Gideon a word. Don't question it. Repeat it. Gideon's mistake was God gave him a word and he went to question it. Don't question the word that God gives you. Your word is intended to change your conversation. Not just your conversation with others, but the one that goes on in your own head. Oh, hear what I'm talking about. In verse 13, there are four questions that Gideon asked, and you will often see people ask these same questions when they go through a difficult season. The first question Gideon asked is why the things that were occurring were happening. Why has all this happened to us? (laughs) Nobody in this room has ever asked that question. You notice how it gets real quiet when you start talking about this? Mm Mm-hmm. Nobody here has ever been in a situation where you ask why. Look at your neighbor and say, why has been a common part of my vocabulary. But God's given me a word. Say it. God's given me a word intending, intended to change my conversation. Gideon said, why has all this happened? He could not see any basis for a cause effect relationship with what was occurring. And this is important because the first thing people do when they come into a bad season is they look for a reason. Mm -hmm. Watch it now. When you get into one of those circumstances, you start looking around and see why it went wrong. You're looking for a reason to blame. But if you can't find something to blame, you start blaming someone. I'm telling you where life is at. Wife comes home, got a dent in the car. First question the husband asks is why? Why, why, why you, you know, what caused this? You know, and then she goes for, well, you know, it was that other guy. He backed out and he put his brakes on all of a sudden and I I couldn't avoid it. He just didn't give me any indication he was going to do that. We always, if we can't find a reason to blame, look for someone to blame. Watch it. And that leads us to the second question that Gideon asked because it's directed toward God's existence. Notice he began to question the reality of the God who his fathers claimed had brought them out of Egypt. And this moves from the why question to the where question. Listen, where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about? Why is this happening? Now it becomes, God, where are you? Don't tell me you've never been there. 
I've been there. And I'm your pastor, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open my heart and tell you, I've been through stuff in my life where I've gone to God, and I said, God, I'm beyond the why question now. I just want to know where you are. Where are you, God, in the middle of all of this? Amen. Where are you? That brings us to the third question. After asking the why question and the where question, he comes to the who question. He begins to question God's faithfulness and declares the reason they were in the mess they were in was because God had forsaken them. This is the who question. Amen. Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? What he is doing is complaining about God's lack of faithfulness. Come on, help me out. Who is this God anyway? I thought he was faithful. There are people in this building that are locked right there. I mean, you are at a standstill in your life. You've been through the why, and you've asked the where is God, and now then you are asking this question. Amen. You're asking him, just who is this God I'm serving? I thought he was faithful. Why hasn't my financial situation changed and I've been tithing? I mean, I made a commitment two weeks ago. I've been tithing for the last two weeks and I hadn't been promoted to be superintendent of my company yet. Amen. Office manager, where, you know, who is this God anyway? And then he moved on to the fourth question. And this is even worse because now he has, is not asking why and he's not asking where is God and he's not questioning who is God. Listen, he is accusing God of being evil, and this is the what question. The Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. The God that I heard about all of these years has turned evil on me. He's forsaken us. He's abandoned us. He actually accuses God of changing his nature. I want you to know that on your worst day, God has not abandoned you. He is an ever-present help in the time of trouble. Somebody help me right now. He is the Lord and he does not change. God is faithful. You may not know it right now. You may not see it in your life, but God loves you and God doesn't change. He's right there in the middle of it with you. You may not recognize his presence, but he's right there. He's right there. Amen. Gideon allowed what he was going through to shape his image of God rather than allowing his image of God to shape what he was going through. You remember that. I'm teaching you something that will help you for the rest of your life. He allowed what he was going through to shape his image of God. And what he should have done was allowed his image of God to shape what he was going through. I may be walking through some stuff, but I still know God is faithful. I still know God is committed to me. I'm standing on the word. I may be walking through a difficult place, but God is in charge. Hallelujah. This may be a bad season and it may be winter right now, but spring is just around the corner. And I don't think it's any accident that the Lord sent me to preach this just as we're coming out of the winter season. I got a word for somebody. Just like we're coming out, you're coming out. Your winter season 
is about to end and God is about to cause a change in your seasons. Mm. Here's what you have to guard against because these questions are often asked in a particular sequence that becomes a regression of understanding when people don't want the season they're in and cannot embrace it and they complain i'm i'm hungry and i don't like it they can't see what god is really doing it becomes a regression of understanding the first question is why is this happening and then they move to asking where is god and then they spiral downward and they start asking just who is this god anyway and they keep spiraling until finally they hit bottom and look up and say, what kind of God would do this to me? And you begin to accuse God of evil. This regression in one's thinking will inevitably lead to the, their failure to cope with their circumstance. And that's why the enemy is trying to suck you down. Because he knows if he can get your eyes off of the God that's walking with you through it, you start tilting away from the S-O-N instead of tilting toward the sun. Amen. Am I talking to anybody right now that the enemy is trying to get you to tilt the wrong way? And we see in Gideon's response, and I'm about to close, two emotions. And these are the emotions you struggle with when you don't know the reason for your season. Tell somebody your season is for a reason. I'm not done yet, but I'm about to close. I'm going to tell you your season is for a reason. There are two emotions you go through when you're walking through a challenging season. One is anger and the other is fear. Gideon is mad and he's blaming God. We have never lived in a time when there has been so much depression. I'm serious. In one of the lakes in Scandinavia and Sweden, they actually found that people in Sweden are taking so much Prozac that they found it in the water of the lake. Somebody said the fish are happy. Amen. (laughs) Do you know what depression is? It is suppressed hostility. It's anger about the situation you're in. You can't wrap your mind around it. You haven't been able to fix it. You don't like Gideon. You don't see a cause effect relationship. And so you just become angry that you're in this and stuck in why am I here? And, and that goes into depression, begins to affect your self-esteem. The second thing that Gideon was facing and fighting with in his emotions is fear. Because he's lost his sense of security. Why do you think he's threshing wheat in a wine press? He's doing that because wheat and grapes do not have the same seasons. And so the invading army, he's thinking if they look for anybody that has managed to salvage a little wheat from their fields before they burn them, they're going to go to the threshing floor to try to find them. Gideon said, I'll outsmart them. I'll go to the wine press. They're not going to look at the wine press because it's not the season for grapes yet. And that's when the angel of the Lord slipped up and tapped him on the shoulder and said, Hell, thou mighty man of valor. I think personally there's a lot of humor in the Bible. I just think we don't see it all the time. 
I think Gideon probably made it to the next county before the angel grabbed him and said, slow down. What would you feel like if you're hiding from the enemy and somebody taps you on the shoulder? Yeah. Amen. You see, Gideon has lost the ability to say with the psalmist, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I want you to lift your hands and say that with me. The Lord is my shepherd. Not your neighbor's shepherd, my shepherd. I, say it, I shall not won't say that word not would you i shall not won't put some emphasis on it i shall not won't i might be walking through winter right now but i'm not by myself god is with me and guess what the next season that's rolling around is a brand new beginning in my life and i'm getting ready to see the favor of god amen Everything in this earth that God created, including the earth, has seasons. Just a little over three months ago, we celebrated the Christmas season. And we saw it on cards. We saw it on the internet. I think we even had it on our our bulletin here. Jesus, say it with me, is the reason. You know it. Jesus is the reason for the season. I want to tell you, sometimes it's not Jesus that's the reason for the season. It's you that's the reason for the season. The season you're walking through could be caused by you. Amen. It could be caused by the unwise choices you have made that cause you to experience seasons of disappointment and pain. We're told in Judges 6, 1, that Israel had sinned against the Lord. And when you choose to do things that are destructive, you step out from underneath the God's covering of grace and protection and anointing. And there's an enemy out there waiting to try to tear your life apart. Israel sinned, and so Israel got in trouble. They were the reason for the season they were in. That's a word for somebody in this house right now. Here's the problem with it. Your season, whether good or bad, if it's the result of your decisions, it does not just affect you. Gideon did not do anything to, to, to specifically, he didn't do anything to specifically earn what was going through. But he was going through it Because his family and his nation made some bad decisions. You see, that works both ways. You know, others can make decisions that affect your life. We call those generational curses. Somebody five generations back opened up a door and you're struggling with stuff you didn't get involved in on your own. You've been fighting stuff and you don't even know why. Hello, somebody. Something in the flesh wants to rise up and do something because five generations ago, somebody made some decisions that opened a door for the enemy. We've heard about generational curses. And listen, if you're walking through some of that, you've got to fight it. You've got to rebuke it. You don't give in to that. You've got to be the one that breaks it in your family. I need somebody to say, I'm breaking it right now. You got to break it right now. But we've heard so much about generational curses that I fear we've overlooked. There's something called generational blessings too. 
You see, some of us didn't do anything to get blessed, but it was something our grandma did, our grandpa, or our dad, or our mom. I'm walking in favor right now that I don't even deserve. And if you're not, here's the good news. You can be the one that implements a new season of favor and generations down the line, your family's going to look back and say, I remember my great-great-grandma when she attended Christian Tabernacle. She opened the door over my life that caused me to be blessed and our family to be blessed. Amen. And sometimes the reason for the season is simply because the enemy is so terrified by your potential and what you can do in life and the good you can do for God that he sets about to make your life as miserable as you can in hopes of aborting whatever promise and potential there is that dwells within you. That's what happened when Moses was born. The residing principality that existed in Pharaoh whispered in his ear and Pharaoh issued an edict that every male child two years of age and under would be killed. And it was not because he hated all of those others. It was because there was one that had the hand of God on his life. And I'm talking to somebody, maybe what you're going through is because God's hand is on your life. And the world's getting ready to hear about you. I wish somebody could say that. The world is getting ready to hear about me. I'm going to leave my mark. I'm going to make an impact. I'm going to do something for God. I'm going to leave this world and it's going to be a changed place. Because God sent me here on an assignment. Amen. Don't you settle into that routine of mediocrity where you just accept anything that happens and I'm closing it's the same reason that Herod was moved to kill all of the male children two years of age and under in Bethlehem because there was one among all those children that was sent on an assignment by God and he tried to abort it before it ever got off the ground I really feel like I'm preaching to somebody that needs to change their conversation When you get a word from God, change the way you talk. Change the way you talk. Change the way you talk. And most importantly, change the way you talk to yourself. I need somebody to say, I will not be aborted. I will fulfill my assignment. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody in this building ought to be saying to the enemy, it's too late now. You made my life hell in so many different ways, but I survived everything you threw at me and I'm still here. It's too late. I made it. I made it. I made it. The purposes of God are not going to be deterred. Amen. I survived it. Amen. Somebody ought to praise him. Somebody ought to worship him. Somebody ought to give God some glory. Because somebody's coming out of a season that has been painful. Somebody's coming into a new day. 
Look around. The earth doesn't look the same anymore. It used to be snow and ice everywhere. But if you look now, the grass is poking through. There's some flowers. The trees are budding. I'm talking about spiritually speaking. You're on the verge of a breakthrough. Because God is changing your season. He's changing it. Real quick. Five things you need to do. You may be seated. First, resolve in your mind and in your heart that God is with you. Say that. God is with me. Second, resolve that you're a mighty person of valor even if you don't know it yet. Look at somebody and say, you're looking at a mighty person of valor. Would you do that? Come on, help me out. Don't act like you're Clark Kent. Amen. Let somebody see your Superman shirt right now. Hallelujah. Number three, don't try and determine if God is for you or not based on your season. Number four, ask yourself if the season you are in is the result of your wrong choices. If it is, correct those decisions. I'm talking to somebody that needs to put a stop to some stuff in their life right now. You're broke because you're making the wrong decisions with your money. Oh, it can get quiet right now. Your marriage is in trouble because you're making decisions that don't honor the covenant that God established between you and that wife or that husband. Amen. And number five, if this season is caused by wrong decisions, ask what God's purpose in this season could be. Because if God, and here it is, I'm I'm done. If God allowed it to happen to you, he had a reason for it. And if he allowed it to happen, I promise you that even though you might not understand why or how, it will work out for your good. Tell somebody it's going to work out for my good. It could be that what God is doing is making you hungry. You wouldn't get empty yourself. Maybe he's making you hungry. Most of you know that I come from a family of waterfowl hunters and outdoorsmen. Goes back generations. My granddad, professional outdoorsman, his before him, and I don't even know how far back. My uncle, professional outdoorsman and guide. They hunted waterfowl. That was my sport before I moved to Houston. And the last 30 years, I haven't had a chance to do that. And, and one of the most beautiful of all of the waterfowl on the North American continent is called the wood duck. Would you put that up there? I want you to look at that. The way it is painted, the colors. Show a close-up of the head, would you? Look at the iridescent flashes of color. God created that. That's my God that put time into... I mean, there's no artist that could come up with anything like that. And because of its unique plumage, it was hunted to the edge of extinction. This is the truth. And so biologists in the state of Louisiana... They began to collect wood duck eggs because they were afraid that the wood duck would become totally extinct. Hunters were not allowed to hunt them anymore. And there were huge penalties and fines. And so they went out and collected the eggs and they brought them and began to hatch them in the laboratory where there wouldn't be predators, where the temperature would be constant, where there would be abundant food. No reason for the wood duck not to begin to thrive again. But to their amazement, every single egg that hatched, the wood duckling would refuse to eat the abundant food around it 
and it ended up dying. The wood duck makes its nest in a hole in the tree, a hollow tree. And somebody began to wonder, I wonder if there's a correlation between that hole and that tree that's above the ground or the water and these wood ducklings. And you know what they found out? They found out that God put the instinct in the wood duck to nest in a hollow in a tree, not just so that predators couldn't get to its eggs and its young. But when the wood duckling, this is the truth, is hatched, it waddles out to the edge of that nest and falls and hits the ground or the water. And it is the shock of hitting the water that awakens the biological instinct for hunger. As long as they were hatching them in the laboratory, they died with food all around them. Tell somebody, God, make me hungry. Would you do that? Make me hungry because there's food all around you. Don't you complain because God's got everything you need right here in his word. Somebody stand with me and give God some praise right now. Give God some glory. Hallelujah to the lamb. Hallelujah to the lamb. The blessing of being empty. Sometimes you just have to be hungry. Sometimes you just have to be hungry. Hungry. 